looking at signs of new life. We've looked at the seed of new life, the sense of new life, the source of new life, the start of new life, the song of new life and others, but today we're looking at the signs of new life. If you've read through 1 John, maybe you've noticed words that stand out or read anything in John's writings, John's Gospel, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Book of Revelation. There's words that stand out. Something that stands out in 1st John is the word know, to know. And uh, we'll be looking at these this morning. I won't be pointing them out, but just to note that, that as we look at the verses, we can know some things. Unsaved people don't know about. Christians know about, and I pray that you know about them. signs of new life where there is no outward expression of life there is death there is death if you want to know or figure out if a person's living physically you know there's something happened they're laid out on the floor what do you do if you're a doctor a nurse or a layman (laughs) how do you know if they're living or they've gone the pulse okay you look for a pulse see if there's a heartbeat is there a heartbeat um <clears throat> what else is there another way breath you put a mirror there you know get a bit of fog on it yes <laughs> there's life i was reading just the other day about a person that was in the morgue and um shelved him out and he breathing and they were shocked, you know. It, it, happened, it still happens. And with all the modern things, you don't want it to happen to you, but you are, this room's cold, you know. Where have they put me? I've just woke up. But um, <clears throat> the signs of life, the vital signs of life. You go to hospital. Ever been to hospital? And I thought I was going to miss out, but I've been there a lot, <laughs> just with the heart and things. And... <clears throat> The, the first thing, they, they, they go over the same thing. They ask the same questions. And another nurse comes and asks all the same questions. And 4354, 4354, that's me. Date of birth, what's your name? Which leg is taken off, you know, and so forth. They ask you all these things, what are you here for? Well, I've already told you. Haven't you got it written down somewhere? But they're looking, the vital signs of life, you know, the, the blood pressure thing goes on. Um, <clears throat> Other things they do. If they don't want you to see, they put a plastic sheet up between you and what they're doing to you. You been there? No. <laughs> I haven't. What's going on out there? I can feel it. I can slosh it. I can... Uh, trying to put a, a, a thing up my arm down into my heart. What do you call that thing? Angiogram. That's right. And they were working on it for half an hour and something's wrong here. It usually only takes a few minutes. <laughs> and... Um, <clears throat> He was holding me arm, he was pushing. But that was a vital sign of life. Well, they were looking at the heart. And I put this dye in and then, then I saw it come up on the screen, you know, and to see what was right or wrong or, you know, to, to figure it out. Some, some vital signs in there. Was the valve working? No, it wasn't. Was it blocked up? Yes. Is it stitching itself up? Yes. So, hey, they, they all knew that from the cardiologist in Albury, but they had to go down to Melbourne and reaffirm that. So could have the operation. So, but things in our Christian life, there's some vital signs that a Christian is a person is a Christian. It's not breath on the mirror. 
<clears throat> it's not the, well, there's not a pulse, but there are those things that we find out this morning that are in First John. Am I a Christian? And the New Testament has a lot to say about the signs of new life. <clears throat> Over in the book of Matthew, for instance, in chapter 7 and verse 16, it reads, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. And so there's the fruit that is in the life of a person that is born again. It's a vital sign, isn't it? Are there, are there fruits in my life? And, and what fruit would they be talking about? Well, you only have to go to the epistles and read for a little bit and you find the list of the fruits of the Spirit. Their priority they are, they are a must. You know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and the, the list goes on there of the fruits of the Spirit. They are to be in the Christian's life. Over in the book of James, chapter 3 <clears throat> and chapter 2 as well, we have some vital signs that are mentioned. We're, get, we're going to get to, to 1 John in a moment, but just looking at chapter 2, verse 14, what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works, can faith save him? So here is a look. There's the, there's the works of a Christian that will be evident. And if they're not there, there's evidence that life is not there. The heartbeat's not there. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to him, depart in peace, you know, in all words, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things that are needful to the body. What does it profit? Even so, faith, if it have not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show you my faith by my works. Here's a vital sign. By the works of a Christian... They're identified as a Christian. James tells us, that's chapter 2, 14 to 20. <clears throat> when and where you see new growth, you know there is life. And we could have illustrations come from nature. After the bushfires. And if they're really severe bushfires, that's they've got intense heat. There's a lot of things that don't come back to life. Um, one thing in the bushfires, just the last lot, was the, was it 2009? The big ones that, the, the tree ferns, I thought, oh, they had it, because they're all burnt off and they were rounded to the, they sort of come to a peak at the top. But out sprung the fonds, fonds? <laughs> from the top, and they, they got life, because there's things coming out. Some of the gun trees were sprouting out buds from up the trunk where they'd never had limbs before. <laughs> Uh, they've got life, but others didn't have it. And as I was travelling back and forward up to work and, and back, you'd see there's a lot of trees that haven't got the vital sign of life. They're dead. There's no leaves. There's no fruit. There's nothing coming. After a drought, what's going to grow? What's not going to grow? <laughs> After winter, are things going to take off? You know, some of the roses I pruned and I thought there's a, there's a dead, that's a dead stick. I think I'll have to take it out, but I won't take it out right now. I'll wait for summer to come. See whether they cut that right out because then there will be vital signs. 
The Apostle John in his first epistle helps us to understand four important things that are listed in the bulletin. as a new certainty in Christ, a new loyalty to Christ, there's a new vitality in Christ, and new victory in Christ as well. <clears throat> you see, John didn't, didn't need convincing that he had new life. For he was there. He walked and he talked with Jesus. He leaned on his breast. Wouldn't have that been a great experience to have been with him for those three years of ministry? He witnessed the miracles. He saw him after the resurrection. He was there at Pentecost when the Spirit came. He got revelations from God which we have in our Bible today. But now 60 years later, he wrote First John. He could see there was a second or third generation of Christians that had been raised that didn't see and didn't meet the Lord personally. And he could see there was some doubt in some people's lives as to whether they were saved or not, whether they were Christians or not. That's why he penned a lot of the things we have in First John, that they might know that they have eternal life or that they might know that they haven't got it. And so some, he gives us these vital signs <clears throat> and he's encouraging those in his day because he lived the longest of all the um, apostles up to 90 that he was encouraging them, encouraging them to take a look at themselves. So let's pray before we look at these four things. Heavenly Father, thank you for John and what you've revealed to him and to us today from the scriptures he wrote. Thank you, Lord, that we can have these vital signs and we can check. We don't need a doctor. We don't need a nurse. We do need your scriptures to check on our vital signs. And I pray, Lord, that we might have them this morning, that our heart might be beating, our spiritual heart, and our spiritual life might be working, that these things will be present in our life. Lord, some may be dim, but they're still there. And I pray that we would be encouraged to make them brighter and to grow more leaves and fruit uh, bless us in the word today as we read it we do pray for the brunken mr and mrs brunken today lord the hard times they've been through in the past week and a bit lord the hard decisions that are being made i pray that you would encourage them in their faith and help try to remember the words of truth and the scriptures might come to her mind that she might recall them and be encouraged, even as she did this week. Lord, we do pray for those travelling too this week, in the weeks to come. Grant them safety wherever they be, and Lord, uh, safety on their return to us. Lord, bless the word as it's open today for your glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the first vital sign, chapter 5 and verse 1, and Troy was... <laughs> in here this morning in first john chapter 5 and verse 1 and we read there whosoever believeth that jesus is the christ is born of god and everyone that loveth him that begot him no loveth him also that is begotten of him we're going to be in this verse a few times this morning but whosoever believeth that jesus is the christ <clears throat> Believing here means more than just an intellectual assent to a fact. A fact concerning the Messiahship of the Lord Jesus. It's more than that. It's a belief that comes into action. You know, back in 
James chapter 2 and verse 19, it reads, The devils also believe. The demons believe. What sort of belief? Is it a saving belief? No. And we can have that intellectual. You see, did the Pharisees, did the Sadducees, did the Herodians, did the scribes, did they believe in God's word? Yes. Did they believe in God? Yes. Were they going to heaven? No. <laughs> Because they had an intellectual but not a heart-changing belief in God. And it's so important that we understand there is a difference. It's only six inches. But it's a fundamental difference as to whether we, when we die we're going to heaven. There's no unbelievers in hell, is there? They all know it's real, for now. It's real now. The essential difference is, <clears throat> is that their intellectual belief never became a saving faith in Christ Jesus. When a person truly believes in the gospel sense, Christianity certainly follows that belief. The word or the title here for the Lord is Christ. It's important. It means Messiah. The word Christ means anointed one. Anointed one. It's a term which applies to different beings people that were anointed think in the old testament we can think of three different sorts of people that were anointed can you think of them usually with oil christ means anointed he was anointed the priests were anointed remember in the old testament leviticus chapter 4 and verse 3 reads if the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people he was anointed what else? Who else was anointed? Prophets. Prophets were anointed. In Psalm 105 verse 15, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. They were anointed. Something else or somebody else that was anointed. Did I hear it before? Kings, Kings were anointed. Remember, they were anointed. And um, Psalm chapter 2 and verse 2 reads, The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder. In that context, it's speaking about kings. But when applied to the Lord Jesus Christ, the title encompasses all three of these offices. In one complete sentence, there in John chapter 5 and verse 1, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ. Now, when we believe on the Lord Jesus, you don't understand all these things. You learn these things as you grow as a Christian. He's anointed in, in these three ways. The certainty in the revelation of Christ as the prophet. Whosoever believeth that he's anointed as the prophet. You see... How can you believe in the word of somebody you don't believe his truthfulness? The veracity of his words. Do you believe in his words? As one said, Jesus Christ is God's conversation with men. God has nothing ever to say outside of his son. His son has given the word. Turn back to Hebrews chapter, and he is the word. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. In God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets in the past, 
hath in these days, we're coming up to the New Testament days, in these last days spoken unto us by whom? His son. He is the prophet of God. He gives the true words of God. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. That's a good and quick summary, isn't it, of the Lord Jesus. God has nothing to say to mankind outside of what the Son has said. Listen to his words. In John 1 and verse 1 and 2, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's the Son, the anointed prophet. All other voices have been silenced since he came into the world. We don't have the prophets anymore. We had the early New Testament ones that gave us the Bible, the scriptures. God's Holy Spirit spoke through them. <clears throat> and this is why the Father could say in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17 of the Son, the Father said, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And in chapter 17 and verse 5 of Matthew, while he yet spoke, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Twice over. He is the approved prophet of God, given from heaven above. If men and women are born again, or are to be born again, it must be through the message of the anointed prophet, the Lord Jesus, and his word that speaks to their heart to save their soul. <clears throat> Do we have a certainty about the words of Christ? Or are we so slack in our understanding of the Bible, and we're probably not saved if this is the case, that we want to change it, we want to manipulate it, we want it to say what we want it to say. And that's a very dangerous position, but it's very subtle and it's happening everywhere in the world today. It's not what thus saith the Lord anymore, it's thus saith the preacher or the pastor or the preacher or uh, the priest or whatever or, or, or uh, the Pope. And it's not so. It's not true. Yes, the certainty in the revelation of Christ as prophet, the certainty in the mediation of Christ as the priest, the anointed priest. I hope you're warm. I'm hot. <laughs> the anointed priest. Christ entered into God's presence with an offering that fully and completely satisfied the holy demands of a righteous God. And he's the only priest that has ever done that. All the priests of the Old Testament had to do it daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly in all different sorts of offerings and go into that holy place. Or once a year into the holy of holies, the high priest went for the sins of the people. Hebrews, if you go back there to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 11 and 10, we read there of the Lord, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering often the same sacrifices. Here we go again, over and over again, which can never take away sins. Those sacrifices of those priests that did it every day repetitively couldn't take them away. But this man, and speaking of the Lord Jesus, after he had offered what? One sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God. Would God have allowed him 
the father have allowed him to go back and sit at his right hand if he hadn't done it right? No. It was complete. God was satisfied. The word is propitiated. God was propitiated. He was satisfied. Read it in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2. God was satisfied with the sacrifice. This is my beloved son. And, and his resurrection showed that God the Father was satisfied with the son's sacrifice as the priest. Christ completely exhausted the flames of God's righteousness. He died in man as man's mediator. As it reads in 1 Timothy 2.5, There is one God and one mediator between man, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He is our priest. We go to him. We talk to him. We pray to him. We come boldly before him. The mediator on the cross is also the mediator on the throne as well. If you look at Hebrews 5 and verse 5, we read there, Hebrews 5, 5, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Begotten from the dead, raised from the dead. He, as he saith also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. This is talking about the sacrifice. This is talking about the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we believe on him, the anointed priest, for our forgiveness of our sins. Do you believe that? That's a sign of new life. Do you believe on the word that he gave, the divine prophet? I pray that you do. And thirdly, the anointed one in the third sense, a certainty in the supervision of Christ as king. Prophet, priest and king, he is being anointed as. <clears throat> the anointed king. Romans chapter 14 and verse 9 reads, For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Now, if somebody is king and we are his subjects, what do you say when you go into the presence of the king? Lord, like Paul said when he got saved immediately, his response was, Lord, what will you have me to do? King, Lord Jesus, what do you want me to do? I'm sold out to you. I'm all yours. <laughs> As it tells us in 1 Corinthians 19 and 20. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Ye are not your own, for you are brought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your bodies. He's the Lord of our lives. This is a vital sign of new life in Christ. We don't do what we choose to do anymore. We do what the king says he wants us to do. You have brought me with a price, therefore glorify God in your bodies. Are you wanting to do what you want to do? You see, we live in a generation that that's the big thing. 
Do as you please. Do your thing. You make the decision. You spend your life the way you want to. The Lord says, well, I'm king of your life now. If you're born again, you'll do what I want. If you're my child, you'll do what I want you to do. Is that vital sign present in our lives? Do we every day commit that day to the Lord and say, Lord, this is your day. You live it through my life. <laughs> there was a day this week I started particularly with that. And Glenn Weeks reminded me of it. it. Something sticks in your mind. Little sayings stick in your mind. And Glenn said something about, I just simply wake up. I get up and I say, Lord, this is your day. You do what you want. And I said it the other day. And the phone started ringing. <laughs> I had my plans. And a, a person who was not a Christian rung and said, I'd like you to do that. And I thought, hmm. So you get on say people telling me what to do. <laughs> or is it the Lord telling me what to do through them, you know? <laughs> what should I do? Go and do what I was planning to do or just can that, do it another day and do what? And I did do that. And the blessing was there. <laughs> I needed to be at that place at that time and doing that with that person. You know, he's king. He manages our life. Or do we push through and say, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'll, I'll can that one that God's instructed me to do that phone call or whatever. And I'll, you know, I'd rather be able to say when it's all finished, I did what the Lord, the king demanded of me. To believe that Christ is king is to give him the supervision of our body, our soul, and our spirit. <clears throat> Isaiah 9, 6 talks about the king on his throne. Some of us, someone's asked me, is the Lord ever to be king of the world? Yes, and it's, I've got references if you'd like to look at them. But look at one in the, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, and verses 31 and 32. I am pleased, though it's been a rough road, that as a young person, I said, it's not mine, it's yours. I did understand that principle back then. I read the scriptures, I memorised the word. As a young person, you know, young people do it. It'll set you in good stead for the troubles ahead. <laughs> For the tribulations that come get into the word make it a part of your life the word is the lord jesus and be able to say yes lord i'll do what you want me to do you know when you get old if you're a young person when you get old or if you're old you realize that the things of this world amount to a hill of beans what for <laughs> at the end when it's all said and done what will be important what we did for the Lord Jesus what we surrendered to him not the size of the bank account because it says in the Bible that shall take nothing with thee not the, the size of the it's nice to have a nice building a place to live in but I read in the Bible in Hebrews 11 it makes it very plain that those people lived in dens and caves. I don't want to quite go there. <laughs> but, you know, and goat skins and things that they had, they, they killed animals, clothed themselves. They were in desperate need. But God looked at them and said, they're the heroes. <laughs> because now they're dressed with 
robes of righteousness and blessings forevermore. Get the perspective right. Yes, Lord, we say, <laughs> you're the king of my life. We're going to, to Luke chapter 1 and verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in the womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He is king. David was a king. It's going, going to be given to him in a day to come, the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the certainty of the supervision of Christ, the mediation of Christ, the revelation of Christ as a prophet, as a priest, and as a king. Do we have that knowledge? You know, just, as, just from this one verse we're looking at in First. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1. There where it reads, Wherefore, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Christ the prophet, priest, and king. Are we showing that evidence in our life? There's a secondly, a new loyalty to Christ. Not only a new certainty in Christ, but a new loyalty to him. Chapter 4 and verse 7 of John. Now, in verse 5, uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, it didn't say no, but you can gather it's there. <laughs> Chapter 4 and verse 7, we read, Beloved, let us, not, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. And knoweth God. Everyone that loveth is born of God. The Apostle John leaves us in no doubt as to how such love is, expresses itself. To be born of God means a loyalty to love the Son of God. To know experientially that it mean, what it means to be born again is to fall in love with the Son of God and to do anything and everything for him as you would for one that you fall in love with. And we've used this, this um, example before <clears throat> of um, Christendom, not Christendom, Chris, Tom, at the end. I won't try to say his name again. Um, <clears throat> the Roman emperor, he stood before. And the Roman emperor said, I will banish you. And he said, and he replied, Thou canst not, for the world is my father's house. Then he said, I will, the Roman emperor said to him, I will take away thy life. But he replied, Thou canst not, for my life is hid with Christ in God. He said, I will take away thy treasures. But he replied, Thou canst not, for my treasure is in heaven. He said, I will separate thee from thy friends. And he replied, Thou canst not, for I have a friend in heaven from whom thou canst not separate me. What can you do with such fanatics as these? said the emperor. And that's so true. <laughs> Loyalty to the Love the Son of God beyond any pressure that's applied by emperor or family or friend. And that shows that we are his children, a vital sign of life, that we love the Son of God beyond all else. Love has been defined as a desire for the delight in the person and interest in the one loved. Do you delight, do I delight in and have a desire for the, 
the purposes and the person of the Son of God. Do I love him beyond all else? Am I willing to deny everybody else but the Son of God? A loyalty to love him and to keep his commandments. A loyalty to love the word of God. Chapter 2 of First John and verse 5. We read in chapter 2 verse 5, But whosoever keepeth his commandments in him verily is the love of God perfected. By this know we that we are in him. Notice there, we know that we are in him if we keep his word. How many of us are willing to compromise when people put pressure on us to compromise the word of God? That, that's happened to me already today. <laughs> Somebody's put the pressure on to change what I believe. Okay, who am I going to love? <laughs> who am I going to heed to? The word of God or the person? You see, it happens in practical experience and we need to say and look back and be able to say, I love God and his word so I'm not going to compromise. I can't. I have to give an account to the Almighty God who sits on the throne. More than to the people that put the pressure on to change what I believe. To change what the Word of God says. It's probably more accurate. A loyalty to love the Word of God. In verses 3 and 4 of um, First John 2 it reads, And by this do we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. Is that plain enough? <laughs> this is what the word says. Now it's very hard when people you, you love and people you've known and people you've worked with for years in Christian circles change what they believe and not to just go with them. That'd be easy to do down here but it's going to have consequences in heaven. Right? Just, you can't do it. Folks, learn to love the Word of God. Learn to love the Son of God more than the things of this world and the people that put the pressure on. As the Lord said in John fourteen fifteen, If you love me, keep my commandments. In verse 4 of chapter 2, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. You've got to come to that conviction. And the Lord will test that conviction. <laughs> Usually through somebody that's a friend or somebody that's close. Do you value the word of God? <laughs> I can, an easy test to see if you love the word of God. Do you read it daily? Do you memorize it? Troy was talking about this on the Sunday school. Do you memorize it? Do you meditate upon it? Do you think about it? Do verses come to your mind in relation to the reality of life when you're facing a circumstance? It just comes like that, pops into your head. And immediately you know the Spirit is speaking, don't do or do do what you're looking at, or, or, or you know, whatever. That's how you live the Christian life. And so do we have that loyalty to the word of God? I pray that we do. Read it, obey it, live it, express it. 
Practice it. Preach it. We sang this morning, I think it was, Thy word is like a garden, Lord. (laughs) And uh, do we mean it or do we just say it? Loyalty of love for the church of God is the third thing we hear. We hear, look at a new loyalty to Christ, to the Son, to the Word, and to the church of God. Chapter 5 and verse 1, we said we'd go back there. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begot, that is the Father, loveth him that is begotten, that's the Christian, of him. So if you love God, you'll love the people of God. You'll love the church of God. If you just go back again to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, we have this written. Not forsaking the assembling of, your, of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. And every, genera- every day, <laughs> that generation that's living is closer to the approaching of the Lord Jesus. And so what we do in the meantime is not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We come here freely. There's no policemen out there. There's no cameras taking pictures of us. There's people coming to the car yard and taking pictures of our cars and the contents of it. That's happened. A, a Jesuit priest did that one time. He got the short change. He got told to leave, not only here but other places. He'd been back twice. Haven't seen him around for a while. <laughs> Don't get up to that. But anyway, you've been able to come here. They got, they got all their number plates and everything. They took pictures. You scared? Nah. <laughs> hey, they can have their organisation. They can have their, their world government that they're going to try to push upon It's not going to work. We know what the Bible says. But you see, we can come here freely without fear of persecution. If you knew when you come to church, there was going to be someone taking a picture of you, taking your number plate, identifying who you were, these people were in church. Would would have you come this morning? (laughs) If you're in Russia, if you're in China, in the house churches. You see, do we love the fellowship They did. A lot of people, it's cost them their life for fellowshipping with other saints. Acts 20.28 reads, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock of which God hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. I've written it down and haven't (coughs) written all of it (laughs) in place there. Feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. The church is precious to the Lord Jesus. It's precious to God the Father. And he wants us to also exalt it and be a part of it and to encourage the others to come here. And it was Wednesday night. There was a lot of people coming to prayer meeting. But if we were here that Wednesday night before, there was a lot of people sick and there was only 14 people there. But it were doubled or tripled on, on Wednesday. And it encourages each other when we're here and fellowshipping like that. It does me, the preacher, anyway. <laughs> I pray it does you, that you can get amongst the saints and fellowship about the things of God. First John 3 and verse 14, reading about the fellowship, the church fellowship, 
We know that we've passed from death unto life because we what? Love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. You're not a Christian. This is an indication if you're saved or not, whether you love the brethren and love the fellowship and love the church that the Lord is building. It's, it, it's very precious to him. He gave his life to ransom the church, to buy the church. It's important to the Lord. It ought to be important to his children. Chapter 4, verse 19 and 20 of 1 John. We read there, We love him because he first loved us. If any man say, I love God and hateth his brother, is a liar. And for he that, he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. By this know we that we are his children. We love the people of God. Or are you sitting here this morning and you're saying in your heart and your mind, when, I wish that preacher would finish talking to me or yelling at me or you know, put me under conviction. I'd rather be out with my friends who are where? Out in the world. You know, where, where, where does our loyalties lie? Do we love the church of God? It, I put down here, <clears throat> attend it, defend it, suspend it, and extend it. It's God's plan for this world. And until the last person enters the church, the Lord's not going to come. So let's get busy about extending it. <laughs> by telling other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. By winning people to him. We live in a day of entitlement when everyone seems to owe us Let's turn it around and be sacrificially giving toward others who are believers and ministering to their needs. Fourthly, the last two points are a lot shorter. <laughs> a new vitality in Christ. Another evidence of new life is the first two. A certainty in Christ, a loyalty to Christ, and a new vitality to Christ. Chapter 2 and verse 20. We read in chapter 2 and verse 20 of 1 John by but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because you know the truth. And that no lie is of the truth, as it reads there. In verse 27 of the same chapter, we read this. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. Now, what is he talking about here? the Holy Spirit and ye need not that any man teach you but as the same anointing the Holy Spirit teacheth you of all things and is truth and is no lie and even as it hath taught you ye shall abide in him chapter four, 3 and verse 24 we read there and it's all speaking about the same and that and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him the Holy Spirit, God in us, Christ in us. And by this we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit whom he hath given unto us. What is it saying? We can know that we're saved. He is a vital sign of Christian life because we have whom? The Holy Spirit living within us. That's what he's saying in these verses. The vital sign of the Holy Spirit who has anointed us, who is living in us, who seals us into the body of Christ. And Romans 8, 9 puts it very strongly. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. 
Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if this morning you cannot say that the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to speak to me, if you, if you can't say that, then are you a Christian? If you're not delighting in the word of God and not memorizing, meditating and thinking about the word of God, the Spirit will be grieved and maybe like a wick. Uh, it's almost to go out, the flame on the wick. But he's there. When you do something that you know is wrong and, and the Holy Spirit comes down, <laughs> this was not what I wanted you to do. You have sinned. You see, have you got the vital sign of the Holy Spirit? The vital, this is the new vitality in Christ. The Spirit of God within us, chapter 3 and verse 2 and 3, is another one, a vital vitality in the second coming. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. But we know that when he shall appear, we have complete confidence that he's coming again. And this knowledge of Christ's coming should surely produce the sign of new life, we purify ourselves, even as he is pure. Have you ever been caught doing something you shouldn't have done? And you knew it, and they knew it, whoever turned up. And it was embarrassing, or you got angry, or whatever your response was. You've never done that. And you're awake there. <laughs> You know, you may, when you was a younger person, got caught doing something you shouldn't have done. Well, the Lord's going to come one day and he's going to catch us just like that. No time to change your mind. The king has come and you've blown it. <laughs> it would be great if we're reading the Bible when he come or praying to him when he come, wouldn't it? We don't know when he's coming. So let's participate in these Christian activities all the time. And be in an attitude of prayer throughout our life. The vital, vitality in the second coming, vitality in the spirit, vitality in the son. Chapter 5 and verse 13. This is very important verses, these ones here, as we come to them. <clears throat> new vitality in Christ, the evidences of new life. These things have I written unto you, verse 13, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may what? There it is. Know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. These things have been written that ye may know that ye have eternal life. It's important that you know that you may know <clears throat> vitality in the Son, that you have the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And so this third or second generation of Christians that John is encouraging here, he could see, the Spirit at least could see, and directing him to write this, to encourage them to know that they're in Christ, that they have faith, saving faith that they're truly born again. And the last one, a new victory 
in Christ. Chapter 2 and verse 29, we read there, If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. By nature we ourselves cannot do righteousness. All our righteousnesses are, righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But upon being born again, we become partakers of the divine nature, and he is in us. And his righteousness has been implanted in us, and we want to do what's right. We have that desire then to do what is right when we submit to the Holy Spirit. We have victory over sin, chapter 3 and verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For this his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Tell me, folks, maybe don't put your hand up. <laughs> you know what I'm going to ask, don't you? <laughs> Have we sinned this week? Now, let's put it another way. Have you not sinned this week? Glad I saw no hands. <laughs> Because we do sin this week and next week. That's why we are to go and confess to the Lord. We do sin. We're in a human body. And you'll be tempted to sin. And we should sin less than we used to sin. But there is the possibility of it, probability of it, and it does happen. And then, then what does this verse say? He's born of God, doth not commit sin. Oh, no, I'm not born again. And that's not what the verse is saying. It's saying that he who commits habitual sin and goes over the old, like the broken record, round and round, and is not getting out of that track. Is he, it, that's the sin that he's speaking about in this verse. We will sin. And other words, First John chapter 1 wouldn't be in the Bible if we didn't sin. Because it says when we sin, if we sin, we confess our sins to him. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That wouldn't be there if it wasn't needed. And it's there because it's needed. And we do occasionally sin. And we do offend the Lord. We do grieve the Spirit of God. But that is there to rectify that. We go to the great high priest and ask him there that we might be forgiven. And he cannot sin because he is born of God and you cannot habitually. Now, the question is, a vital sign of Christian life is, are you continually committing the same sin over and over again? You've not got the victory. You're not an overcomer. Then am I God's child? These things are written to help us to make sure we are, that we're saved. Victory over sin. We should abhor sin. We, we don't like it in other people's lives. We don't like it in our own lives. And when we do it, we feel guilty all over. Are we allowing our old nature to dominate or are we feeding the Holy Spirit through the word of God, allowing him to use that? Starve the old nature, feed the new one. Victory over self. Not only, not only over sin, but over self in chapter 5 and verse 4 of First John but whatever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Victory over self. <clears throat> over pride, over the flesh, over the world, over the devil. 
Old self is subtle. It's assertive. It's an ego within. You know, I was thinking of that phrase, stroking the old ego, stroking someone's ego. Flattery. It's wrong to do. We don't stroke the old man's ego. We kill it. (laughs) Even our own. We put it down. And so don't let this assertive self assert itself. It mars homes, it splits churches, it, it ruins the world. New life is the indwelling power which conquers the self-life, which nips in bud the sins that would be coming. And so that verse, chapter 5 and verse 4, warns us, whatever is born of God overcometh the world. Are you having victory? Are you nipping it in the bud, not letting it flourish? And lastly, victory over Satan. Sin, self, and Satan. Chapter 5, verse 18 of 1 John. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but this is, but he is that is begotten of God keepeth himself. And what does it say? The wicked one toucheth him not. Toucheth him not. <laughs> Satan is going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we can have victory over Satan as we submit to the Lord, his word, and the spirit speaking to us. If we're born of God, we don't sin, but we have victory over the wicked one. Satan wants nothing better than in the Christian life that he he tempts them to sin. And that they fall and are ineffective for the Lord. A sign of new life is that we're having victory over the devil's constant temptations that he throws at us as he did with the Lord Jesus and we're not immune to that we we should all say with confidence 1 Corinthians 57 thanks be unto God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ so a new victory in Christ victory over sin self and Satan Have you got some vital signs? Is your Christian heart beating? Are you loyal to Christ? Do you have the certainty of the knowledge of Christ? Are these vital things present in our life? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, if there are those here today that are questioning where they're at in relation to yourself through your Son, Might they be fully persuaded, altogether persuaded of their faith, living faith, not just an outward confession, but a true um, possession of the Lord Jesus Christ. Might they be sure of that today and have confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. If there are those things in, that, in a Christian's life that's getting on top of them, those sins and self and Satan and is beating them down, Lord, may they be overcomers today as they submit to the Lord Jesus Christ as King and Lord of their life and be a victorious Christian. Lord, the sins of omission, the sins of commission and a lot of sins of, of uh, omission, Lord, where we should be doing something and we're not doing it. And we have guilt in our lives and that guilt drives us to despair. Lord, I pray that we would 
be the overcomers in that too that would go out and do what we should do if we know to do good and do it not to us it is sin Lord bless as we want and desire to walk in the presence of a holy omnipotent omniscient omniscient God this week as we go our way give us the victory to live the Christian life and to know that we're saved because we're obeying you because we love you Bless us as we go our ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.